0: to see you all this morning. So we are in Acts as you know and we've got to Acts chapter 10 and let me uh, read the first eight verses of Acts 10 which they're on your screens as well. At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon he had a vision he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who's called Peter. He's staying with Simon the tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Well, as um, we get to Acts 10, I thought, let's just take a moment to get a bird's eye view on where we are in Acts. Um, You'll probably remember the theme verse of the whole of the book of Acts is Acts chapter one and verse eight. And uh, there it's coming up on the screen. Jesus says to the disciples before he ascends into heaven, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's how the whole of the sort of back book of Acts goes. That's how it's structured. The Holy Spirit comes on those first disciples uh, at Pentecost in chapter two. Then the first six chapters of the book of Acts, the gospel is proclaimed. And the church grows within Jerusalem amongst Jewish people. But then what happens is you get a sort of marker coming at the beginning of Acts 8 that we saw a couple of weeks ago uh, where it says this. It says a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So there we have it, that, those same, that same idea that suddenly through persecution, the gospel is going out from Jerusalem, but in that, those sort of concentric circles outwards now to Judea and Samaria. So that, that Acts 1 verse 8, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, we've seen that. And then from Acts 8, and in all Judea and Samaria. And so what do we find in Acts 8? You'll remember Philip uh, brings people to faith in Samaria. So he brings people who are Samaritans to faith in Jesus. And then chapter 9, that we've been looking at the last few days, Saul gets converted. Saul, who becomes Paul and who is the apostle to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish community, the ends of the earth. So things are getting set in place for the gospel, for the, the followers of Jesus to be witnesses, not just in Jerusalem, not just in Judea and Samaria, but as Paul uh, gets converted, he. he, he it, things are getting ready for the gospel to go out to the ends of the earth. And then we see this marker at the end of Acts 9. It says, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. So things are getting ready for the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. Uh, But what happens in Acts now is for three chapters, Saul, Uh, to be Paul, is left in Tarsus and the focus is on Peter for the next three chapters, chapters 10 to 12, before we hear about all of Paul's missionary journeys to take the gospel to the Gentiles, to the ends of the earth, from chapter 13 onwards. And in this focus on Peter that we have for the next three chapters, yesterday Lydia helped us see Peter experiencing Jesus's power over sickness and death but as we come to chapter 10, we meet Cornelius in our reading today. Cornelius, who we'll discover, is the first Gentile, the first non-Jewish person to become a believer in Jesus. Now, I think you'll agree, this story of Cornelius is a powerful story of conversion in its own right. It includes a visions, it includes angels, it includes a whole sort of conversation with an angel. But actually, that's not primarily why it's been recorded in the Bible. It's primarily here to show us that God is a God of all nationalities and ethnicities, that God is building his people up as an international, multicultural, multi-ethnic group of people who believe in Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. You see, we may rightly think we have a big issue in the world at the moment with racial division, but you know there was an even bigger challenge and problem of racial division back then between Jew and Gentile. Uh, We'll see later uh, in a couple of days, later in chapter 10, where Peter says this. He says, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. Jews wouldn't even associate or visit non-Jewish people. Now, that this wasn't how God set things up in the Old Testament right back in Genesis 12. As God speaks to Abraham, what does he say? He says, the people of Israel, they are to are blessed, not because they're sort of God's special favourites, they are blessed to in turn be a blessing to all the other nations of the world. But sadly, through the Old Testament, Israel twisted this view into the idea of them being favoured, And uh, they became filled with racial pride and they despised the Gentiles as dogs and, and made up laws to keep Jew and Gentile apart. You see, this story, it may ostensibly be about Cornelius's conversion. But, you know, actually, the main point is not so much Cornelius's conversion, great as it is. But the main point is about Peter's conversion. For Peter to be converted to understanding that the gospel is for people of all nationalities and that everyone can come to Jesus on an equal footing, Jew and Gentile. And perhaps today in 2020, God might be continuing to break down other deep-seated racial intolerances and prejudices that exist today. Uh, Yesterday, I um, got to share the gospel with an ex-black cab driver. He's now a funeral director. He is tough as nails. uh, And I think far too often, I would have just counted him out. I would have thought there's someone that I'm sure wouldn't be interested in Jesus at all. That's what I would have thought. But yesterday, God did a powerful work in this man's life. And he was, he was so hungry to hear about Jesus. Uh, I chatted to him after a funeral I'd been taking. And, and he said, I'm open. I am open, he said. I didn't used to be, but I'm open. Something's happening in me. And it was wonderful to talk to him. He's from Kent. Um, I hope he's going to come along to HDC on his motorbike uh, at some point in the next couple of months. But as I reflected after him and I had talked, I thought I probably would have normally just counted him out. I'd have disqualified him as being having any possibility of knowing Jesus. There he was with big muscles, uh, shaved head, tough, uh, totally the opposite of me in all those ways. And God uh, had to use an amazing experience that this man had as he listened to the funeral. When he's normally just on autopilot, he sits through funeral after funeral after funeral. But something happened to him yesterday God spoke to him, and then I, if you like, followed in behind what God's spirit was doing in this man. But that's the whole truth of the gospel, isn't it? And that's the truth that we learn from Cornelius, that no one should be disqualified from being able to hear and respond to the gospel so that they can be part of Jesus' kingdom too. Thanks, J.Gate. This morning we began responding by thanking God for this conversation that Jago had and praying that God would continue to be at work in that man's life. And then we prayed for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to equip us to be witnesses and to break down divisions that we would keep in step with God's desire uh, that people of all races and backgrounds and nationalities, that, that all people would hear and respond to the good news of Jesus Christ.